0: Assalamu alaikum. Hi, you're back with another episode of Salam Farihin Ramadan series We are now almost towards the end of Ramadan and I really hope that everybody has been doing good being very productive and yeah that you've been enjoying your beautiful Ramadan so far and we'll continue to do all the good deeds that you've been doing and even more, inshallah. So, let's get started with this episode. Bismillah. Enjoy. Number one in this episode talks about one of the very most important things that we will be asked about on the Day of Judgment. On the Day of Judgment, what's the very first thing that we will be asked about? You've guessed it, our five daily prayers. Now for this chapter, it talks about how Allah loves punctual prayers. Prayer. Is the most fundamental pillar of Islam which we all know about. As Rasulullah was passing away, he, peace be upon him, said, Your prayer, your prayer, and treat your women well. This just shows how important our prayer is. And I'm pretty sure whoever listening to this right now, you know this very well. So, yeah. But what about prayers that are performed on time? It says here that Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, May Allah be blessed with him, said, I asked the Prophet, peace be upon him, which actions are most beloved to Allah? The Prophet, peace be upon him, responded, Prayer on time. In another narration, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, A prayer at the beginning of its time. And it sounds oh so simple. I think one of my goals this year was to be more present in my prayers, was to be more punctual and more khusyok. But you know how it is, life can just take over sometimes. You don't even realize the time. But what that says about you is where you actually put a lot in your life. And honestly, I am so grateful to the people around me who would normally remind me, Okay, it's time to pray. Oh, have you prayed yet? Oh, I think we should go and pray together. Oh, do you want to come with me and pray? People like that are just so straight up amazing, honestly. I think I've talked about this a while back, how there was... This video by Kaada Islin, um talking about how when we would meet our dates, when we would want to meet um, those that we uh, truly love, we would want to dress up, we would want to look pretty, smell nice, wear our best clothes, and one of the other. Things that usually happen when we are about to meet those that we love is that we feel very anxious, we feel very nervous, and uh, nervous, but it's not the type where you feel like okay, I'm not gonna do this. It's the type where you're just so excited to meet your loved one, so you get a bit nervous and you end up coming earlier than expected because you don't want to make them wait, you know. And this is pretty much the same. If we truly prioritize Allah in our lives, if we truly love Allah like we say we do, we should at least treat our prayers the same, even better if we can. Because we should love Allah more than anything else, right? There's a part here that says Allah fully understands There are other things that get in the way in terms of career, school, travel, and other things that will cause us to have to push prayer to a later moment within its set time. And when I read this, I felt so wrong because why would I want to take advantage of my creator? Even though he is all understanding, all knowing, all loving, all forgiving, I should not take advantage of that and become you know, become lenient with my prayers. I want to practice ihsan, itqan, and all the other things and be able to perform my prayer in the best way possible because I am having a date with my Creator. I'm meeting Allah, I'm conversing with Him, I'm prostrating to Him. I should be there, present in the best way possible, right? Reading that, I thought like, why should I even want to put myself in the position where I can say, it's alright, Allah understands, it's alright, Allah knows, Allah is all-knowing, Allah will forgive, Allah is all-forgiving, ah, I'm just a little speechless, but I hope that Allah will turn us into a person that is very far away from having those kind of thoughts. I mean, there's a part that I want to highlight here and It goes like this And Allah says in the Quran about the hypocrites When they get up for their prayers, they get up lazily They don't feel like doing it They are dragging their feet They barely catch the prayer And Allah also tells us about the nations that came before That there came after them generations who lost their prayer And followed their desires Due to this, they would find punishment Umar ibn al Khattab, may Allah be pleased with him, commented on this saying, They lost their prayers means that they started to delay their prayers beyond its permissible time. They would pray asar in the time of Maghrib instead. If we delay our prayers habitually, then eventually we're going to start praying them late and then we're going to start missing prayers altogether. It's a natural regression that takes place and then they will follow their desires. And that was honestly very scary. I think when I read this part of the book, I've actually came across it sometime before that and it was it was really one of the things that motivated me. You know how you know that prayer is one of the most important things of being a servant of Allah? Um, It's one of the things that help you connect to Allah, that help you to humble yourself in front of Allah, that reminds you how small you are and how great Allah is. So when I read this story a few years back... I think it really was that kind of motivation that pushed me to continue to perform my prayers because you know there are those days when you're just so busy and time flies or when you're and you find this little bit of yourself that is just a little bit lazy on like okay, where am I gonna find the next place that I can pray in? We all have those days, right? But. Thankfully when I came across about this story, I always tell myself like, nope, if I'm gonna slack, it's gonna turn into something else and it's gonna get worse and I don't want to reach that point ever in my life. So yeah, I think there's also this quote somewhere. um, It says, I don't really remember what it said, how it goes, but I think it goes along the lines of Guilt is actually a blessing that is given to you from Allah. So whenever you feel guilty for not doing something that that you're supposed to do, for instance, prayer, it means Allah is just whispering in your heart to remind you to come back to Him. So when I came across this story a few years back, I guess it's a way for Allah to kind of instill into my heart about how serious it is if I leave a single prayer which is uh, mashallah, so good. I really love the idea of having reminders all the time and even the feeling of guilt. It really helps to motivate me a lot of times in a lot of instances. I hope that if you haven't heard about that story that you hear about it now and you get reminded of how important your prayer is and the other important things in being a servant of Allah, inshallah I want to end the reflection for this chapter with with this bit the Prophet, peace be upon him, said when a person comes on the day of judgment having prayed their five prayers on time not omitting anything out of them understanding their importance then they have Allah's promise that he will enter them into paradise so my dear listeners and my dear self May we be amongst those who are punctual in our prayers and may Allah forgive us for our shortcomings and make us amongst those who long for Him inshallah, Ameen Moving on to the next chapter Allah loves cleanliness and yes, if you want to connect this with the previous chapter this can also be about wudu wudu actually comes out of a larger concept of cleanliness that is of purity or taharah as we all know cleanliness is half of faith and cleanliness does not just mean wudu but it is actually the purification of every bit of us we can be clean we can purify or clean our environment, our room, our kitchen, our living room and then a little closer would be our clothes, our shoes, our bags, our togongs, our juba. and then a little closer to us would be our souls Wait, there's one more. Our body. So we need to like constantly keep our bodies clean and healthy. Clean from impurities like food that is unhealthy is also considered, I would say. And then, of course, finally, into our souls. How can we purify our souls? That is indeed one way to think about it coming back to the story that i mentioned just now about how when we're about to meet our dates, we're gonna try to dress nice, we're gonna try to smell good, it's basically us purifying ourselves to make ourselves more presentable, more clean, more basically pure so again, imagine that we're going on a date with our most beloved, how would we want to get ourselves dressed? how clean or how pure do we want to look in front of someone that we love so much? when we put attention to all the details, we are basically showing how much we appreciate this person that we love, that we want to show them our best 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 image, our best most presentable person basically when it comes to wudu it says here that when we're taking care of those things um such that we are cleaning ourselves we are making ourselves presentable we brush our teeth before we go to the masjid or before we become a part of a jamaah This means um, there is a sense of generosity to those that are around us as well as to the angels whom we can't see. But most of all, a means of demonstrating the anticipation we have of standing before Allah. So everybody, let's try our best to stay clean, to maintain half of our faith with that. And yeah, try our best to most of the time be very presentable in front of Allah because Allah is always with us. May we be amongst those who are spiritually purified, as well as physically purified, when we go to meet Him for the sake of spiritual purification, inshallah, Amin. The third chapter of the day is about the mosque. Allah loves the mosque. I think one of the most interesting things about this chapter was this text that says, The Prophet, peace be upon him, said that the most beloved of places to Allah are the mosque, and the most hated of places to Allah are the marketplaces. I kind of know that um, one of the most beloved of places to Allah are the mosque, but I was not aware that the most hated of places to Allah are the marketplaces. This was really intriguing for me, this chapter. And then I figured out that it's because in the mosque, in the masjids, it is really, 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 really for the purpose of our remembrance of Allah. Or it will make us remember Allah. In in the mosque, not only are we remembering Allah, We're also put in that position where we can amplify the attributes of Allah like we become a part of a community, we can be very helpful, we can learn a lot of things while we're in the mosque, we can attend a lot of majlis ilmu, we can spend time there and just remember Allah, we can perform prayers, we can do a lot of things that can help us well basically become become the best version of ourselves as a servant of Allah and it's also said here that Rasulullah said that the mosque is the home of every single believer but why does Allah hate marketplaces? truthfully speaking comparing masjid in the marketplace How often are you remembered of Allah when you're in a marketplace compared to you being in a masjid? Relatively low, right? It says here that in the marketplace, we usually see division or argument, there's even deception, there is haggling, there are false oaths and all types of things. Imam Al Nawawi said the masjid is ideally supposed to be a place where none of that is present. It's supposed to be a unifying place where there is mercy, tranquility, harmony, and nourishment. Instead of false oaths, there is calling upon Allah. In place of deception, there is truth and admission. It says here that the Prophet, peace be upon him, said the masjid isn't a place for buying and selling. He also said that. If you see people doing trade within the masjid, tell them, may your transaction not be blessed. So the masjid is supposed to be a place reserved for Allah's remembrance. And that is indeed true. I think one of my reflections about the masjid is how I love the ambience of just being there. Have you ever felt so calm, so loved, like when you're entering the masjid, it really feels like you're being hugged with so much compassion, so much love, so much amazingness, I don't know, I remember when I was in my degree years, um, there were days where it was a little bit difficult, and you know, school stress and all that, and instead of praying in the surau which was a lot closer, i would sometimes opt for the masjid and i don't know i think it's just being there that's just like if you're entering those kind of moving car washes i don't know if i've ever seen any here in brunei but i know there are outside of the country and those kind of Um, car, washer, thingamajigs, I'm really sorry my brain is not here right now but those moving things, it's, it's like being, it's like going through those, like when you enter the masjid and when you leave the masjid, you're like a whole different person, like before entering the masjid I will be like very stressed, I will be full of doubts for myself but like after, sometimes I'll, I'll just sit there and just ponder, you know, if, if there is no... If after performing a prayer, and I still want it to be there, sometimes I just pause and wonder. And then after that, I go out and I feel like a, an entirely different person. I also love hanging out at the masjid when there are my friends that I don't normally see because we don't um, take the same lectures and we would just sit there and talk and exchange knowledge and they're just so fun. There's just something about being in a masjid that gives you that hashtag positive vibes and I really like it. I hope that whoever listening to this right now, if you haven't, been visiting the masjid, which I think is slightly impossible because it's Ramadan. You have a lot of opportunities to spend time in the masjid for uh, taraweh so on and so forth, but if you haven't been in the masjid for a bit of time when you listen to this, I hope that you can stop by today to just chill there. If you've already performed your prayers somewhere else, it's okay, you can just go there and... I don't know, rest? I think I should have highlighted when we were doing the chapter for prayer. There was this quote, I think, somewhere that I read. It says that prayer is actually your rest time from all of your worldly affairs. It's rest time so that's why you need to pay full attention to your prayers you know if you're praying but you're still thinking about the things that you're leaving outside of your surah or outside of the masjid if you're still thinking about those pending tasks and assignments you're not really resting when you're praying you are supposed to pray with koshoq and when you're praying with koshoq you're gonna forget about all those worries outside of your prayer that's why they say that prayer is a time for you to rest and what's better way to rest than to spend time with your creator in the most specific specified special time that you have for yourself and allah you know anyway may we be among those who are beloved to Allah as we become more present, more... May we be among those who spend a lot of time in the masjid and just perform a lot of the good deeds and overall be the most beloved to Allah. I mean... And now we are going to move on to the last chapter of this episode. The last one is Allah loves love. However, in this chapter it talks about how Allah loves those who love others for the sake of Allah. I used to have like this thought in my head on how how can I love someone for the sake of Allah? Back when I wasn't really familiar with all of these knowledge, basically. I thought if you're loving someone, you're just loving someone for them, you know? But it's a whole different level when you love someone for the sake of Allah and that's just eye-opening, that was really something that hit me hard on centralizing Allah in all of your affairs and being able to love someone for a better purpose. So remember when I said that whenever you do something, you need to set your intentions that it is for Allah. And when you set your intentions for something that is permanent rather than something that is temporary, you will have a greater chance of success. So for instance, when I was doing my uh, diet when I was trying to lose weight, I made sure that I remind myself that I'm doing this for Allah, I'm doing this for Allah, I'm doing this for Allah and because I was doing that, because I was trying to keep that mindset I instantly lose weight and it was like a lot of weight so whenever someone asks me like what keeps you motivated to lose weight, what keeps you motivated to um cut down your meals, to only eat healthy, i remind i would tell them to set their intentions for something that is permanent. i don't really say Allah, i don't give them a straight answer on what should be their kind of motivation because i want them to be able to feel for it themselves and after a while, if they go down a spiral and they started um, losing to their diet, they when they get back to me, they would ask me like, "What was your motivation?" And then I would tell them, like, "I want to be healthy because I want to eat healthy because I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy so that I can perform my ibadahs." better. So I will not fall sick often and that I will be able to be beneficial to people, I can help people. I want to exercise because I want to gain stamina, I want to gain strength. If I gain strength, then I can help people to carry their things, for instance. If I gain stamina, I will not be easily exhausted when people need me to help them, you know, those kind of things. and it's usually when I tell them that and then they change their mindset and then their challenges became a lot better. Also, when you set your intentions to something that is permanent, not something that is temporary, for instance, if you're changing for um, someone that you love, because there are a lot of instances that that goes on, when your love fades or when the person that you love is no longer in the picture of your life what's gonna keep you motivated? you know? but when you put your intentions, you put Allah as your motivation, then Allah is permanent. so Allah is eternal. there's no way that your motivation will be gone, you know? So that's pretty much the case for loving someone for the sake of Allah. When you're loving someone for the sake of Allah, you will not see their flaws as something that would make you feel frustrated whenever they make mistakes. Whenever they do something, you're going to feel agitated if, if they press you hard enough. So when you love someone for Allah, you see their flaws as something that makes them unique, for instance. If you love someone for the sake of Allah, you will go out of your way to help them because you know that if you help them, if you have that in your mind, you'll know that when you're helping them, you're actually helping yourself. You are doing a form of ibadah, you are doing something that will please Allah, you know? An important bit here is that Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned Those that are shaded by the throne of Allah are those who love others for the sake of Allah Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam also said Allah has said that on day of judgment, those who love each other for my sake are under my shade and under my glory And in this world too, the love we have for Allah's sake is an unbreakable bond. It's also a form of cover, shade and glory in this world that brings people together in a really transformative way. It extends communities of love in which people love each other for the sake of Allah. One more, I think this can be a good motivation for us to love others for the sake of Allah because Rasulullah said In a beautiful hadith, that when Allah loves someone, he calls Jibril, his beloved one, and says, Oh Jibril, I love this person, so you should love this person too. So Jibril loves that person. Then Jibril calls the angels and says, Allah loves that person, so you should love that person too. So all the angels love that person too. And then the inhabitants of heaven love that person because Allah loves that person. And then acceptance and love is put in the hearts of the people on this earth. This means that the people love something of you that's true about you and Allah causes them to love what made you beloved to Him in the first place. So it's the type of people who Allah directs toward you, who love you and what they love for you is in fact true of you. MashaAllah. Wouldn't that be beautiful? If you love someone for the sake of Allah, Allah will love you. Allah will tell Jibril to love you. Jibril will tell the angels to love you. And then the inhabitants of heaven will love you. And then for people on earth, Allah will also put love into their hearts for you. I don't know how much beautiful a sentence can get. (laughs) And I'll just leave you with that thought i hope that we can all learn to love each other more and most importantly love each other for the sake of allah inshallah with that i end today's episode and i'll see you in the next one inshallah love you bye Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hope you find it beneficial and just sort of be able to remind yourself of your goals and your own missions for not just this world, but also the next. With that, I end this week's episode and I hope to see you in the next one, inshallah. Much love and prayers from me, Farihin.